Oh my goodness. Hey, hi, it's Mike. Did you know that Abe and Bridget and me are trying to make a movie right now? Yes, right dang now. It's called Papa Bear and tells the poignant and hilarious true story of the time my dad came out as a gay furry when I was 17. Uh, if you care about that at all, please head to seedandspark.com slash fund slash papa hyphen bear to find out much more about the project, how you can be a part and earn really cool rewards for helping us out. See you there. Here's your pod. Thanks so much. Uh-oh. <laughs> You're in the danger zone, my friend. Ooh. Uh, I'm really worried that I will ruin this podcast because this movie took me, my positronic brain immediately back in time to when I quoted this, my entire personality was being a oh. stupid, annoying theater kid quoting this movie over and over. Uh, oh like the God. Weird Al said in White and Nerdy. I can do the entire screenplay of Holy Grail. Do you want me to do it right now? Uh, I was that guy. Fuck. And then it transitioned uh, <laughs> to The Simpsons instead. So I believe in harm reduction. Um, mm -hmm. But And I forgot. I forgot about all these quotes. And boy, this took me back. How are you, buddy? I'm good. But you want to hear something that's worse? Imagine being that guy. But uh -huh. instead of Holy Grail, it was Austin Powers. Truthful. <laughs> It was. <laughs> yep. That Austin was me Powers, for dude, a summer. Also an underrated, like I truly think a comedy Very classic. Funny, but Super not, good movie. Holy grail. That's right. Frame rate. Uh, and I believe, yeah, frame rate. We rate frames. Michael, Abe, I believe <laughs> yep. our, sorry, I've been wanting to cover this one since day one of Small Beans. Uh, so I want to get into it. I believe our guests will agree because they said so pre mike that it holds the fuck up and we're mm -hmm. like we've all been joke writing professionals for some time so let's get into it oh yeah with lydia bug welcome lydia welcome. thanks for coming back yeah thanks for having me and giving me an excuse to watch this movie again because yeah it fucking holds up yes it does <laughs> it rips it's just it's like uh when you watch casablanca and you're like oh it's actually good like entertaining stuff that's old doesn't have to be bad. Most is, but it doesn't have to be. Um, and man, I watched, this was like this in the labyrinth and a couple other key films. I watched on Laserdisc over and over until the glue in the disc dissolves. <laughs> <laughs> so it was big for me. What's your relationship to Holy Grail uh, going back? Like when did you first see it and what did you think? Oh, man. I think I was like 10 when I saw it. And I think this was the first like adult comedy I ever watched. And I can remember my dad saying to my mom, like, I don't know, I think she can watch it. It's PG-13, like, she's old enough. My mom being like, eh, and then we watched it. And it really, it's not that bad for kids. There's, like, a lot of violence, but uh, I love that as a kid. Like, right. I always, like, you know, Looney Tunes slapstick has always been huge yeah. for me. So it was a really good, I think, first adult comedy for me to see. And, I, yeah, I quoted it annoyingly for years and years as a child. Yes. Yes. Abe, you usually are the guy who's like, 
Well, I grew up on this weird mushroom farm with only a hole in the ground, so I didn't see this. Is that the case with Holy Grail? Well, I grew up on a mushroom farm with a, where there's only a hole in the ground, but, uh, and I didn't have this movie for a while. I had Nailed, to get it in like it. college. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I watched it a lot because it was in contention. This and Spaceballs were in contention for like th- all throughout like. I don't like I don't know if this is true about you guys, but like elementary school, maybe not elementary school, but like middle school and high school. If there was a pizza party, you were watching this movie. Um, no, that was that's awesome. We didn't get to was, watch anything as good as this. <laughs> that was yeah. This and Spaceballs were the two that were like the school. Would, like all of my classes were convinced those are the two movies to vote for. So I watched it a bunch of times before I actually went off to college, and I love it just like you guys. Yeah. Uh, and of course, having like the bulk of our career being sketch comedians that holds a special place in my heart also. Cause Hell it was yeah. educational. Like I do believe it. Um, Mark's brothers, uh, you know, Monty Python kids in the hall, you know, one at a time from older to more modern. There's like my favorite sketch comedians or sketch troupe. If you like of all time at the time, and I was steeped in them at various times in my childhood. And I feel like, and then the Simpsons crew who became the Futurama crew also are probably put the final seal on like what my sense of humor is like and why I write the kinds of jokes I write. Mm-hmm. These are the things that determined it. I also wanted to ask the group um, what at this same time period or even later, Abe mentioned college. Did you, how much did you fuck with the other ones? Um, I like I still really like the meaning of life as an assemblage of sketches. But every time I watch Holy Grail, I do think it is the hit par excellence, like just joke pound for pound. Um, Is it your favorite of Monty Python? Which which other Monty Python stand out to you? Oh, definitely for me. Um, I've I've watched Life of Brian and I was like, this is good, but it's no Holy Grail. Yeah. And then, like, every time I, I thought about watching more Monty Python, I just would watch Holy Grail again. Because <laughs> I was like, I don't know, man. I don't think anything's going to beat that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I haven't seen... I've seen, like, some classic sketches, like the dead parrot sketch from the the original, the TV show and yeah. stuff like that, the really big ones. But I, I wouldn't say I, like, dove deep into the, you know, Monty Python <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Canon, yeah, thank you. I did that sketch for my high school talent show. The the Dead Parrot one? The Dead Parrot sketch. (laughs) I had a two-set CD that I used to listen to incessantly also of their audio sketches. Um, And they're actually very hit and miss if you watch their show, Monty Python's Flying Circus. A lot of sketches that either you have to be so steeped in British culture or they're so outdated, but legitimately like weak sketches. Um, they don't have the highest hit miss ratio. So you really need a compilation of the best of. So there was this two CD like best of thing. So I thought they were the greatest geniuses that ever lived because it's only the best ones over 35 years of doing it or whatever. And it was <laughs> fucking hilarious. And I would literally sit and listen to it and then write it out in cursive, like write the scripts <laughs> out. Uh, so I many so books, much. so little. But time. now looking back, I realize like everyone and very similar to the Always Sunny crew, they really only have one hook or like Tim Robinson does and he's great, but his hook is like 
encapsulated in the title. He's a weird guy. I think he should leave. He's by, he's on making me uncomfortable. Um, yeah. They only have uh, arguments that get out of here. <laughs> that yeah, really is their thing. Protracted. Yeah. yeah like, cause all my favorite sketches are just like the dead parrot sketch, like the cheese shop sketch. Uh, and then literally, or the guy who, believes that bee licenses are dog licenses and the guys try to explain that it's not that way. Um, they're all like that, even culminating to the meta one, which is the argument clinic where the guy goes in and pays to have an argument with someone and they go like, first you have to pay. I did pay. No, you didn't. Well, now you're arguing with me. No, I'm not. Well, you wouldn't be arguing with me for free. So you must be arguing with me. No, I'm not. <laughs> well, you got to do better no, than not. just saying, no, I'm not. No, I don't. <laughs> Shit like that. Um, yeah. The what I noticed in Holy Grail, I was like, this reminds me a lot of Peacemaker because of that. That's James Gunn's mm. whole bit. Is the like they start having one conversation that's actually important to the plot, and then they just go off on a totally different topic, and he just like hits that beat over and over again relentlessly in Peacemaker. But he's really good at it, so like it works. And yeah. Holy Grail, it's like he's just building on that. Like it's the same thing. <laughs> Plus, they're working with Terry Gilliam, who. Also is hit and miss film to film, but like he made Brazil, which may be my favorite movie or at various times has been my favorite movie of all time. Um, so it also does not lack in like the classic Simpson visual gags. I completely forgot and it so made me pop when fucking... <laughs> It's just like the Austin Powers steamroller joke when uh, Lancelot is rushing really distantly across the So block, good. Going, ah, and you keep I cutting to was... a super close up. The shots are so well thought out and it's so well edited for this joke of a guy eating an apple and it's the same recycled shot over and over. And Lancelot yeah. is always hundreds of yards away. And then you yeah, cut and he's suddenly not. he's inches away and he stabs and the he guy. Like, awkwardly stumbles into and the other like, guard even a good and then the other guard goes hey and that's like the topper dude that so was good. the funniest joke to me like when i was like you know 15 years old or whatever that was the funniest shit to yeah me in the world like that that joke killed all the other jokes even though there's no reason to compare them uh they they're definitely the rolodex thing i know what you mean in terms of like the joke uh hit and miss ratio uh and the fact that they uh they do these protracted like conversations is their bread and butter but some of the jokes are just funny they're also really good at just funny sounding things like the castle anthrax section. I just it's love that. Name. It's a bad name. I love that. One of their names is crapper <laughs> and another's is zoot. Just a zoot. Zoot oh, yeah. and bingo are the twins. <laughs> also, it's just like the joke in beer fest because there's no reason for it, which makes it even funnier. And considering how early this script was written in my life anyway. But like, yeah, so there's, if you forget a, a character who's a sexy nun his name? and yeah. she leaves frame and then she comes back and he goes, Zoot, it's you. No, I'm her twin sister, Dingo. But that doesn't matter. Like nothing happens. With the <laughs> they do that. Twin. The actual best joke in Beer Fest for that is that Landfill dies, and then he's just like, "I'm Landfill's brother. I yeah, can exactly. basically be yeah. Landfill." And they're like, "Yeah, that would be good for us. Cool." <laughs> I actually think, uh, for my money, and I wanted to turn this in, or at least real quick, like if do you have a because it's essentially strung together sketches. Um, 
Do you have a favorite sketch or a least favorite? I, as a kid, I think because I was a kid and sexy stuff didn't plug into my brain as easily. The Castle Anthrax one actually, and it kind of is, felt the most one note to me. And I think it's still my least favorite, but maybe that's because of the association. Although I did completely forget and like the one joke where they start cutting to different sketches, including sketches you haven't seen yet in the future right. of the movie, going, uh, "Get on! This with is it. just sex jokes. Like the premise is played out. Like get on <laughs> yeah. with the sketch." And even though that is just lampshading, it's good lampshading. Yeah, <laughs> and at least that good. sketch gave female comedians jokes. Because that is one thing they're definitely guilty of, without question. Like, it's oh, five yeah. British There's... dudes and all the women are straight people. <laughs> yeah. And, like, they don't even give them much to do in that one scene. But, I don't know. I love the the line where she says, uh, we're all women between the ages of 16 and a half and 19 or something. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty well delivered. That's pretty well done. <laughs> Which is, we're but a thousand women <laughs> between the yeah. Yeah, blondes yeah, and brunettes between the ages of 16. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's the old hubba hubba. Oh, and there was a uh, I did like the lady who got the lines. Uh, uh, oh, old woman. Oh no, I guess it's a man. Never mind. By definition, man. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, man. I'm 37. Uh, actually, I was thinking of the old lady that they like hex, the old witch. She at least got to she be goes, funny. Yeah, when they say knee at her, you mean? Yeah, the woman who falls prey to knee. Uh, yeah. obviously knee the knights who say knees monologue being the most obnoxious thing you could quote i think from yes. the script and that kids would quote at my school that is standard theater <laughs> kid affair <laughs> yeah <laughs> just doing the knights of knee uh it's one of those things where it's like interesting to be a, a fan of something and then also regret all of i mean i think we all have had this experience where you immediately regret <laughs> Being a part of a fandom, right? No. You see yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not that it was toxic, but it's so no dumb. It's, it's just bad. It's kind, and dumb. Yeah, it's just like no. Nah, I mean, don't. I mean, I'm glad you're excited. Don't quote and I don't that. Oh no! But like, please don't do this in front of everybody. It's um, like how how all little yeah. kids go through like a purple phase. All little comedians go through a Monty Python quoting nonstop phase. And yeah, that's because exactly. it's actually good and clever joke writing. And that's and I feel I'm glad we all agree on that. Um, and if you were really hardcore, you knew the line. We are now the knights who say "Icky Icky Patang Sippity Azul." I love yeah. that he just trails off. He just trails <laughs> it's off. It's not yeah, a it's... clear thing to say. See, dude, that's like a part of it. Like you know yeah. that in their minds, the trailing off is a part of it. And then you know? Grand Chairman uh, King Arthur's like, "Very well, knights who knights who until dude. recently said me." <laughs> I was just writing down all of the actual sketches and it's just pure bangers. Like, I don't think there's the opener, there's dude. It starts with the fucking swallows conversation. It's like an album. It's like when you start, okay, computer and it's everything in it's right place. And you're like, I'm in because one of the first lines is <clears throat> you're just making that noise with coconuts. <laughs> yeah. What of it? Well, where did you get the coconut? It's England. That well, might be my favorite. It might have yeah. been carried here, gripped by a sparrow. It's not a matter of where it's gripped by. It's simply <laughs> like flight mechanics. Oh, my God, that that's the opening sketch. But uh, 
That my might all-time, be my favorite. My all-time I just want to say one quote from that one, which is just that the the are you suggesting that coconuts migrate? It's one <laughs> yes. of the greatest Certainly single not. lines in the thing. Yeah, I you can definitely it. tell with that bit that they're very smart. They're like Oxford guys. This is like a conversation that a bunch of very smart, funny people would just have in the writer's room and be like, you know, we could put this in the script. It reminds me of the Silicon Valley scene where they're analyzing mathematically how many dicks can be jerked off at one. Like, it's that same impulse <laughs> yeah. is still in comedy today, for sure. Uh, Lydia, favorite sketch, or do, did you have one growing up? I do. Yeah, for me, I think it's the bridge bit when the, when the, the guy that's asking the oh. questions is like, I, I don't know that. And then he gets thrown bang, up bang, in bang. the air. Bang. Like, that, that, like, the escalation in that is perfect. Like... It just ends. And it's so yeah. like when when a, it's hardest to end a sketch, I think and that is the perfect end, like that guy getting thrown off the bridge. And it's even like shot funny where they throw some kind of like really <laughs> ragdoll ragdoll in the air with its limbs all flying around and shoot it from below. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I love the bridge bit. I like that. He asked color. like also we fall in love with like numbers and like how do you like what's the equation of comedy that's the funniest like do Mm -hmm. you do it twice do you do it three times four times like what's the sweet spot um for this particular joke and i love that he goes back to the color once and the (laughs) guy gets it wrong yeah (laughs) Yeah. and so it's like the perfect escalation of four you know, yeah. because like the topper, a, the fourth. Yeah, it's just perfect. that's the purest sketch. It's like a haiku or some shit. It's the perfect minimalist jokes that that sketch could be. And then it's out. That definitely was probably my favorite growing up. Interesting factoid. And I would like to get well, I guess I'll just unpack it now and it's quick. But Terry Gilliam also famed for like Doom Productions and anyone who's look, you know, <clears throat> got into Monty Python as like people probably knows this already. So I'll keep it brief, but this shoot was legendarily like the worst time in all of their lives. And they all hated it horribly and were suffering tremendously, which is in fact why they quickly rewrote the ending to be this abrupt ending where they all get arrested, which is hilarious and we should unpack it, but it was supposed to be longer. Like it had two more sketches in it and they're like, we got to call it. We're all miserable. Not the least of which reasons being that Graham Chapman was drinking a pint of gin a day at this point. Oh. And like when he was crossing the bridge set, they were all legitimately scared he was going to fall because of his shakes and stuff. It was no good. <laughs> it was like a terrible shoot. Yeah, anyway, my bridge. favorite sketch. <laughs> <laughs> um, and to me, it feels really like a like a Dave Foley, Kevin McDonald sketch in uh, Kids in the Hall because it's structureless and it just has sketches within sketches is the one where the pale one kid is going to inherit the swamp (laughs) castle um, for a couple things. One, there's a single uncut shot where the guards do a classic Abbott and Costello. Who's on first type sketch of like, we should stay in the room. We should leave the room and it's uncut. It's like just a straight up sketch. Like it's, you know, just an onstage performed sketch, Eric Idle killing it. Uh, And then, that it also contains a line that just always gets me, which is, you'll inherit all this someday. And he's looking out the window. These cur- the curtains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, the scene where Lancelot <laughs> fucking kills the entire their whole oh, civilization. Yeah. And the it, whole- <laughs> like, it makes me laugh so much still. Uh, it take is like it's exactly comparable to me to Janine Garofalo flipping out in Wet Hot American Summer, and like 
those two points in comedy call to each other across time to me. But fucking dude, Lancelot, and he calls it his idiom, is just like murdering. When I'm in my idiom, I sort of do this. Ah, so good. Eric Idle's dumb face smiling as the prince fires an arrow out the window is top tier. No, his whole the king's whole speech about I built a castle on a swamp and they all said I was crazy and then it sunk into the swamp. So I built it again and it sunk into the swamp. And then I yeah. built a third castle and it also sunk into the swamp. But the fourth He's one like, stayed. And I love that he then calls it the strongest castle in the land. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, uh, the I just love comedy of, like, assumptions. Like, when a character is just, like, assuming this is full confidence in this dumb thing. It's like what yeah. makes, like, Arrested Development work, like, Joe Bluth, you know, like, right. it, it's... It's such good. It's so good. And I take it back, actually. Weakest sketch and tell me if you agree. It's got to be. So much that my brain blanks it out is catapulting the cows and then they catapult back the Trojan rabbit and they're accidentally not in it. Stinker. <laughs> I don't know who wrote that. That one I don't need. I could cut. It's, it is a stinker. I will, f I will defend the idea of firing livestock from a castle is a very funny image. And uniquely yeah. Python. They invented like yeah. that silly just combination of elements. Right, are cheesy, yeah, and also surreal in a way. I did forget know? they say Brave Sir Robin's gonna get his nostrils raped. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, Brave Sir Robin run, yeah. ran away. <laughs> that's really good joke. It's and, worth and the historian, of course. Uh, well, I guess I'm a sucker for the fact that Lancelot just murders indiscriminately is my main deal because uh, they have a historian, which in and of itself is meta enough to be funny for the time this came out, I think, who goes like, and so Lancelot, blah, blah, blah. But we know from ancient records that they were fated for more than this. And then suddenly Lancelot comes in riding a horse going, ha, and, like slits his throat with a sword and yeah. he dies and we linger on the shot. And then his widow runs in and just looks around like, huh? And then it cuts out. Immediate. That's what makes it great is that the first beat is her just like, what just happened? And we're out. So and good. then, yeah, Damn. that's what, and it becomes the, like, it's amazing the that they were the like, film. right They're They're like, well, if we want to end the film, we can just shoot some cops shots. Like they only have like two other shots of cops, like looking around in the shrubberies and then looking around somewhere else. Like they literally just like, let's get two cops and a cop car. And mm -hmm. that's how we'll solve this. You can tell when they like broke the script and we're like, let's not, let's not shoot this movie anymore let's just yeah. get five shots well and i figured too that i know it was infamously cheap like that's why they had the coconuts instead of horses was because they just couldn't afford horses <laughs> like right. uh you can't battle scenes are expensive like that's way more days of shooting and you know and so i assumed that that's why they got us all set up for a battle scene so you're kind of like jazzed to see that and then it's funny when they you know subvert it and also they don't have to pay for a battle scene. Like there was so much like that where they did mm. things because they were cheap, but then they end up being hilarious. Like that's another thing that I like about this. I was looking at it. I was like, God, this thing must have been so cheap. It's just them out in the woods. Like 
right costumes yeah. but there's just the no costumes. sets yeah. and there's one castle that they use over and over again it's right. very clearly right. the same castle fact, every time <laughs> in fact my favorite part is that like after the knights of the round table song on second thought let's not go to camelot it is a silly place so every <laughs> choice right and that's an actually an interesting filmmaking point uh very similar to our experience at cracked right we got some large budgets to make some ambitious stuff, but even in those cases, it's not ambitious like the sky's the limit. Almost every joke we made on video at Cracked did involve some fashion of, well, this is what we can achieve, so can that be a joke? Because <laughs> that's what we can afford and that's what we're doing. Uh, and I do think that's a really good way for a comedian to work. It's almost like when you go uh, try to draw and there's a blank page, that's a lot harder than having a prompt and restrictions are prompts. So I think that might be yeah. why it came out so well, because they had to just scramble. I can totally see that. Yeah, the necessity kind of breeds genius. Although interestingly, opposite of... Marx Brothers, who would tour doing their show as a play like, at like a thousand times and dial it in for years and then film the filmed version, which I also yeah. think is interesting. Oh, I love the Marx Brothers. That was the other adult comedy I watched probably before Holy Grail. <laughs> and less so because it's getting even older and time makes fools of us all. But you watch that shit and there's still a joke where you go, that would be funny in a show today. That's very. Oh, funny. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some jokes are timeless, uh, especially if they're abstract or, you know, just conceptual. Universal. Like uh, the confidence with which Arthur says they're just great performers, too. Like these guys, mm -hmm. I think better actors than the kids in the hall across the board, probably. Except maybe. Mark oh, McKinney. yeah. But um, why do what else also floats? Little rocks, pieces of paper, apples, <laughs> churches, <rock>. a duck. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the and in that same scene, the pause from Cleese, dude. Um, why do witches burn? That fucking that is a masterclass of comedic timing. He like shifts back and forth on his feet, he wrinkles his brows, scratches his head, and then as quietly as the mic can pick up, cause made of wood. <laughs> it's it's crazy to me how Amazing. much we just straight up lifted. We had a sketch that we made at Cracked called, we called Surnames, uh, which was just the town rabble, you know, just like basically the same setup where it's just like one person talking to a chorus of peasants uh, and they all had British accents and were in medieval times d discussing the names, uh, like the invention of uh, second names. Should it be based on what you do? Should it be based on your zodiac? Whatever. Yeah. Inventing. And it was just funny to me that uh, like Noah and Cody and a few of the actors just immediately picked up on. I'm just going to be like Eric Idle in this. I'm just oh, going to be Monty you know, Python like, when they cross gender play like multiple people yeah. did this voice like, oh my <laughs> yeah, oh my um yeah, exactly. we ended up of course leaning into it which is the lesson of this film i think really uh is uh leaning into it and going okay well this is our monty python tribute sketch you know yeah. and we just made yeah, it as exactly. monty python -y as possible yeah yeah um, our quest love... is to seek the holy grail and so we're looking for it <laughs> Oh, there's a joke that I didn't catch. I, I've seen it. I feel like I've seen this like four or five times, but I never caught 
that Arthur has problems with the n- the oh, number three. Yeah, you, for the no, whole he transposes movie. three and five the whole yeah, movie. Yeah, I never I never got it <laughs> because so. I never focused on it until like five is right out. Because uh, then you start thinking about it, and yeah. the next thing he says like one, two, and then he says five, five. <laughs> and it's just because they're back to back. I did not get that. That's all in that uh, scene, dude. But, also, uh, Michael Palin. And the Lord did grin, and the people did feast upon the lambs, and the sloths, and carp, and orangutans, and breakfast cereals, and fruit bats. <laughs> you know he was just ad-libbing that. He's just, just like a doing great it to a list. point. <laughs> the yeah. fact that you break the system, because most jokes, joke math is about you develop a system and break it, or draw attention to it, or whatever. The... Breakfast cereals, man, like living thing, living thing, even more obscure living thing, normal food, and then most obscure living thing of all. So good. Good yeah. strategy. Yeah. Good strategy. And and yeah. what else is crazy about that scene that you don't even notice is how many people are like it's they're all playing two characters in that scene. <laughs> And like for like Lancelot is also the wizard, so they've got like the helmet on him when the wizard <gasps> I is there. Didn't even and then, think about that. Yeah, there's it's yeah. crazy that there's such good actors that you don't even notice. You're like, this is him talking to himself for most of the scene, and you right. don't even notice it. I've never thought about it till today, till this moment. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't help but be like, every every scene is shot in the identical way. They have a clean shot of one side and a clean shot of the other side. And it was so they could accomplish that very thing. Like, I'm still like, oh, shit. I had no clue that, like, Tim the Enchanter, that was John Cleese. Of course it was John Cleese. You know, like, (laughs) yeah, that that why isn't why did that never click for me? I just thought that was some guy, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and that's another way. Oh, I was just say that's how they kept it cheap too. It's like we're not gonna hire more actors. We're just gonna, you know, put an, a helmet on an extra. That's Lancelot for now. Okay, go away. Lancelot's back yeah. now that Tim's gone. Right, and yeah. then of course yeah. Simpson style, uh, you know, airplane style, Mel Brooks style. Like they're also cramming jokes in at every level. So like we just mentioned it nonchalantly, but the fact that he's a wizard with goat horns blasting fire from his hands and his name is Tim is a joke also. And even the, like, (laughs) I never got before that it's part of the joke is why is he standing here shooting fireballs for so long for no reason? I did get that. (laughs) that. And like when he's, I forget what he does, but he, they're like, where should we find it? And then he goes, you should find it. And he like destroys a tree. And then he goes <laughs> over there. Like he just can't stop shooting fire and shit. <laughs> he's, just, yeah. he's just addicted to it. But he doesn't think... use any of that on the rabbit. <laughs> no. No, he's never tried, tried yet. <laughs> oh, one thing that I read is that the blood that they used on the rabbit would, did not wash off. They did not think about it at all because they're... Mm you know fucking idiots doing independent cinema and uh the owner was super pissed because they had this bloody ass rabbit now whereas it used to be white and pristine yeah so sometimes sometimes it's terrible my dad had fuzzy slippers that were designed to look like that rabbit eating your feet it's a poor childhood memory (laughs) yep i forgot when he shoots a rocket and destroys the tree everyone politely golf claps (laughs) (laughs) like very impressive (laughs) those pyrotechnics on tim were really good too i thought like for as cheap as the rest of the movie is that was some impressive and there were a lot 
I mean, I know they had to have a lot for the joke to work, but that had to have been kind of expensive to do so many explosions. Yeah, they yeah, yeah so many sure. in right in a row. Yeah, well, it's just funny to see. You can see like the pipes that they have running through the ground. You know, like they didn't do a, <laughs> a lot little to bit. cover it up. Yeah, where it just bursts out and stuff like that. But you see that even on. I guess Princess Bride is also kind of a parody in a way, but like that tries to takes itself. And you know that's because yeah. Gilliam aspired to be a quote unquote real filmmaker or whatever that means. Uh, whatever obviously, that means, I love yeah. this movie, but yeah. Uh, I also wanted to mention the credits. Uh, actually, Abe and I on Small Beans Monday Movie Night, most Monday nights at 6 p.m. on our Discord, uh, which is open to the public. You don't have to be a patron. We watched the Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie, the first one. I am aware mm-hmm. there's a second one more recently. Uh, and I've always been a big fan of the credits joke. Uh, like uh, 1986, 3 p.m., a Tuesday, Egypt, present day, 1876. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I realized the then we watched Monty Python for this in quick succession, and I'm like, no one can touch the Monty Python credits jokes. It's you're before the coconut scene that's the first sketch. The credits jokes have like five different kinds of system breaking joke right. in it. It's incredible. And by the end, the the credits just turn into like enter the void credits where they are like causing, uh, you know, like it should come with an epilepsy warning. They're just flashing and playing loud music and shit. Yeah, yeah. I like how they they specify like now the credits were very expensive from this point on. It's just flashing lights and loud music. I also like they obviously sometimes you can just tell when like a group of comedians just find one thing funny and one thing that they all find funny is the word moose. Yes. <laughs> they just think that's a very spam, funny word. Or yeah, they yeah. they do wordplay or like that word's just a funny word almost in a crusty the clown way. <laughs> right. And I love that it turns into a thing that it's like okay, now it becomes infectious. The fact yeah. that they think moose is so funny, they now are saying it in enough times and the jokes are good enough that i'm like you know what i kind of just think it's funny just to say the word moose now (laughs) Uh, so it's just crazy how that's infectious if you do it right well and like having that right before the african swallows conversation like i think there are lots of people that can do smart comedy and then they but they kind of can't do like dumb comedy they kind of can't just be like man the word moose is really funny and that's like right. equally as funny, you know, if you do yeah, it right. Totally. <laughs> right. Like I feel like the uh, with the French, I mean, there's multiple French castles, but with the first uh, first time that they attack, I think it's equally funny that they just start taking their swords and start stabbing the, the castle, castle yeah. <laughs> as anything elderberries or any of those killer jokes that have been, you know, basically memorized by yeah. so many people. It's very wet hot when all the cast goes and just stands facing the wall at the end of the shot. It has that energy. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. I love it so much. John yeah, me too. I want, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I love him as the Frenchman and I love like, he just genuinely does seem to be enjoying taunting them. I think it like in his soul, like if they were having a terrible time, I think that he was taking some of that out of that scene. Yeah. Yeah, And he was like, he does like a little dance with his hands at one point as he's insulting them. And I was like, it's so cute. I just love that part. Yeah. 100%. Cleese feels like the most Jim Carrey-esque. He goes full silly. And at this time in life, he was very good at it. I know he's now like 
quasi right wing or something, but he was good. He's oh, good at so sad. this doing this movie. Um, also, just to sort of give, well, first of all, Dob and I, my most common interaction, with Craig was arguing about whether a single word was funnier than a synonym of that word or not based on the sound. So it totally is a thing. <laughs> but the other thing I wanted to draw attention to that just is so gets such good points for like comedy writing and like joke math to me is in the middle of the, and I'm going to explain why it's funny, which is bad form, but here we go in the middle of the Camelot song. We briefly cut to a very wide shot of a guy in a, the dungeon chained up yeah. by the arms and legs. <laughs> and a sound joke. Happily yeah. clapping along to the rhythm. So all comedy is is like surprise. Usually it's like 80% of jokes. So you build a system and break it. So it's simple enough as loud, 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 suddenly quiet, back to loud. But you get bonus points the more systems you can break simultaneously at the same instant. And this has like three because it's all comfortable cowboy shots or like close shots that are warm. And then it's a sudden static distant shot that's blue tinted of just a gray guy. Um, so you're like breaking how it feels. The sound is becoming suddenly muffled and distant, which is <laughs> instinctively like funny as well. And of course the joke of like, your cognitive surprise, he's acting happy and he shouldn't be happy and your brain recognizes that. And my friends, all those things together, that's why you laugh at that. <laughs> and it's like so well-crafted at every level that I remember thinking about all this as a kid and being like, I wanna write jokes. But also the way his hands move is funny. Yes. And performance, <laughs> you can never, right, performance is know. always a factor. Right. Of all the things he listed, which are all true. It's so funny to me that like we're such we're such weird beings that sometimes it's just a dude falling over or a funny emotion, you know, uh, like sound. it is all weird. Yeah, sound. you can yeah. do all that work and it makes it funnier. It also is funny just to witness a guy in, in with a weird beard or whatever. I'm a fan <laughs> um, of dynamics. You need some clever, some stupid, some yep. thought out, some just instinct, you know. A mix. One hundo. Yeah. You know. Let it, yeah. Go ahead. But I do have I a question like, for you after. Okay. Uh, the the dancing and singing. How do you guys feel about dancing and singing in comedy? Because I kind of hate it. I feel like it's never the jokes are never that funny and the music's never that good. It's like the worst of both worlds. But I thought that that song was pretty good, and I think it's because of the joke in the yeah. middle really did it for me. I think you're. I kind of have the same impulse as you. Sometimes the singing and dancing, it feels like you have to do a lot of work just to get there. Uh, I was never a musical theater guy either, but like it is that joke. And it's also just like, they understand how brief uh, attention spans we have. They're like, they get that we want to move on. So they really do uh, have a lot of jokes per second. They try to, they they did try to not waste our time and i think that goes a long way so i do think that the exceptions are almost always that case yeah you know a funny song is almost always very efficient i am a hardcore writing nerd so i actually wanted to bring up like you know i love shakespeare i love rap for the same reason i think it's the equivalent of modern shakespeare when it's done well because it's a kind of writing where you're going for it's got to be in time it's got to be a certain rhythm as many internal rhymes as you can get is good. You want the references to be as clever and multidimensional as possible. That's also how Shakespeare thought and what I like about that. It's very dry 
And I will say I don't laugh at the musical parts of Money Python, but I am a fan of and tickled by the complexity of the wordplay. The lyrics are really well written. The rhymes are surprising and fresh. Um, and like uh, the universe song, you know, spinning at a thousand miles an hour, how incredibly unlikely mm -hmm. is your birth and all that shit. It's like uh, Eric Idle, you do, you're good at writing complex lyrics. It doesn't make me laugh out loud, but yes, it's... It often doesn't. Complex yeah. and good. I will say the only musical that made me laugh out loud with jokes that are in the songs is Cannibal the Musical. And that includes the Book of Mormon, I, which I find way less funny. Cannibal the Musical, like Spadoinkel Day. My heart is as full as a baked potato. Like there's yeah. lines in the songs that actually make me laugh in that. That's the one that I, I can't think of any others. Weird mm -hmm. Al, I guess. No, he doesn't make me laugh either. He's just endlessly likable. Yeah, he's clever, say. and yeah. you recognize the cleverness. The craftsmanship yeah. is off the charts, but he's not like edgy funny. You never go like, oh, oh, I broke. Like that's so <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah, man. He's really I did as a kid. Gangsters but not Paradise to test. Well, Lydia, yeah. I wanted to ask just because we mostly write video scripts and you mostly write articles. Um, how do you approach? That kind of mixer does like the joke math that I was elucidating resonate with you. Do you think about joke writing differently? Because, of course, there's multiple valid ways to do it. What's um, your writing process like? <laughs> I do think Where about Where do your ideas come from? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me specify how I get ideas. That's always easy to do. <laughs> um, I know like learning a craft and, and like taking that over to hot dog and stuff. I always just like. There's just a rhythm to it, and it's very similar to that, you know, heightening that you do in a sketch. But it's like I try and do a joke, a paragraph. It can be at the end or the beginning, but then it kind of connects in a certain way where like, well, if I had a joke at the beginning of this paragraph, I could probably wait till the end. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I've like studied, watched a lot of comedy, like pretty much all I watch is comedies. I don't like mm -hmm. dramas or mm -hmm much else honestly so oh. even though i don't really do sketch comedy or you know movies and tv stuff it's just like something that i enjoy so i think i take a lot of that the same way you would write like a skit and heighten and do the thing you know surprise people the, oh god sean is so good at that sean's the king of a joke that you would never <laughs> see coming uh but you can take that the <laughs> that kind of stuff and put it in an article you know does that make sense yeah totally yeah and there's totally. a whole different brand of comedy that does have heart where you laugh because it's such a humorous situation and you're invested in the character's point of view there's like a you know three or four different kinds of comedy but I, but hardcore jokes like always sunny monty python blah 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 there is a math to it i think yeah um, but not all comedy i don't want to say that no i know a lot of comedians i'm like well like Eric Andre, for example, his stand-up especially, I'm like, he is going by his gut in some sense. He is just having ideas where he's like, this would be funny and <laughs> doing it. You can tell. <laughs> yeah, and you can't write stuff like what Eric Andre does. Like, I mean, you he writes it. But I'm I sure mean, he writes it, but, yeah. like, but you can't. I can't, It's uniquely no. <laughs> him. No, meaning all of us, meaning all of us, yeah. Uh, I... I love that there's a fucking intermission 10 minutes before the movie ends. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? this is not halfway. I paused it and checked. I was like, right. yeah. I also paused it and checked, which means these fucking jokes are still getting me, which is nice. It's, it pleases me. And one of the, 
one of the biggest fuck yous I think that they do in the movie where they're like, we don't give a shit where punk hell, punk rock is all hell, uh, <laughs> is that they end the movie with no credits, but rather this stupid song on yes. black for three minutes, which is an eternity. Yeah, I um, like looked through like, is it coming back? I was like going through the credits nope. to make sure. I've always wondered it. Yeah, no, nope. I just fucking do that and then the movie's over almost as if they it's almost like their approach to the movie was the same way that i would approach writing essays and as like a freshman in high school where i'd like try to change the size of the font or the margins in order <laughs> every to couple get to paragraphs the page count. oh i see like, no, it has to be 90 yeah. minutes well i do think they were self-conscious about it being shorter than they wanted because of the right. rewrite yeah. But it's fine. I mean, it's because at no, a certain it's point. Refreshing these days, it's 90 minutes. Right. Flat. Yes. Great. Oh, God. Yeah. I for love sure. that. And but like, at the, yeah. It feels like they're throwing you out at the end of the movie. Like, they're like, it's over. Get the exactly. fuck out. <laughs> like, you get yeah. so like, abrupt. We're God, which they literally do at the end of Meaning of Life, which is one of my favorite endings of all, where John Cleese is the fancy waiter and he takes you to a little cottage in the countryside. And he goes, this is the meaning of life, like these thousand tiny moments. Oh, you don't like that? Oh, that's not good enough for you? That's fuck you. Get the fuck out. The movie's over. It's like uh, Rick at the end of season one of Rick and Morty. Like it's, right, yeah. They were ahead of their time in terms of meta and breaking shit, for sure. And yeah. uh, I also, well, let's see. Oh, man, you guys inspired something good, but now it's escaping me. Oh, well. The... um. One of the th uh, other fuck you punk rock moments that I love are mm -hmm. the, I mean, at one point they kill the narrator for going on too long, right? Uh, <laughs> just off screen, uh, and then I think the the combat at uh, before cast like in the cave uh, after the bunny where mm -hmm. the black beast is chasing them and then the animator dies. <laughs> yeah, like right, you can right, tell right. they were like, is like an underrated moment. <laughs> like, uh... <laughs> and I, I know that we've done those kinds of jokes before, you know, in like collectively zeitgeist wise, like people doing things of, and we ran out of the budget. So the animation, we no longer have that animation anymore or something right. like that. A lot of internet people make that joke. So I remember when like Game of Thrones was on and they had like the dragons that became a meme uh it's so funny that they are kind of the originators of that joke just the concept of like fuck it we don't want to spend money on mm. animation anyway mm -hmm. let's just do a joke where the animator dies and we get out of the section that way and that's how we, they're saved lydia mentioned looney tunes earlier and gotta point out there is a joke in that where like the pencil eraser comes in and erases Daffy Duck and the animation breaks down because right. they ran out of money. Uh, it's not as f like handled as funny, but the, that, that joke goes back. I, I'm not trying to like refute your point. I'm just like Looney Tunes is also very it goes good. that kind of joke does. <laughs> yeah. But the, the fact that they like in a Douglas Adams, I mean, I really mean British oh, yeah. way yeah. where they scope out and say like, this is what's going on with this. This man, he's the animator and they show the justification for it. Like the fact that they go into such and like detail with that one bit is yeah. uh, I think unique. I, yeah, I also oh. think it's pretty punk oh, rock. They'll, they'll show things and not explain them in kind of a punk rock way. Like, well, the the werewolf hand or the gorilla hand or whatever bit, 
And then like right. the when there were all three in one costume, they're like a big guy with three heads. And you're like, yeah. what the fuck is that? And then they just run away. <laughs> it's like it doesn't matter. Run away. Run away. <laughs> Uh, I remember what I was going to say, which is no longer relevant, but I'm going to say it because it'll give detail oriented listeners a feeling of resolution uh, <laughs> in one draft of our mo- indie movie we're making right now. And this is no longer true. One of the jokes was the movie ended with like smashing to credits with the Weird Al song Jackson Park Express, which is like an 11 and a half minute song. And then the credits <laughs> would run out and the song would play for like six and a half more minutes. Uh, and I'm glad we're not doing that, but I'm proud to think of how similar an impulse that is to Monty Python to Matthew, yeah. not having done <laughs> that consciously. Like saying, yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah. You're such a, you're such a rebel, Michael. <laughs> I'm such a Python. We'd also be super remiss. I think for the, especially for the theater kids who quoted it to death. If we didn't mention like the crunchiest one in your mouth, that's fun to quote, which is, I thought we were an autonomous collective. You're <laughs> kidding yourself. If I went around declaring myself sovereign potentate ever because a watery bing lobbed a scimitar at me, I'd be put away. Uh, the fucking <laughs> peasants in run. the mud scene blew me away as a kid too. Yeah, yeah. You see him repressing me. Is Did one you of see? The best <laughs> yeah. Fuck it, uh, let's get out of here. What's What's crazy to me is that as with with entirely with confidence you said and i think Mm. you're right like that is like one of the most quotable things in the movie one of the unique things about like monty python's specifically i'd say uh holy grail versus i don't know a film like austin powers is that like movies they're always the same quotes i don't think that's true about uh, Holy Grail. I think that there are a lot of things that come up, like a shrubbery or whatnot. But when you go to like funniest lines to any comedian mm-hmm. or any person, what's funniest lines in Holy Grail? You are getting a wildly different response, and That's I think true. That, that actually Whereas- is unique. You say Spaceballs, I say we ain't found shit. Like, that's how that goes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I think what it comes down to is it's one of them. One of the more interesting uh, aspects of a movie is that it's such it's so full of quotable stuff that like I don't think that there's any one line that some like I'm sure a lot of people are gonna be like you didn't even say that line or whatever yeah uh, right, like right, we haven't no even mentioned what. we haven't yeah. even mentioned only a flesh wound I was you gonna know? say like, we but, haven't even talked about the Black Knight scene that was my probably my second favorite scene as a kid I I was obsessed with that and that right. it's just a flesh wound is something my dad has said my entire life. <laughs> Exactly. And I, yeah, I don't know. That's just like a wild, that is an impressive kind of pedigree for a movie this old, 1975. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That and, uh, and a, a yeah. bite your knee capsule. <laughs> yeah. And yet, given the disposable nature of comedy, I do think the shit fades fast if you're not in the comedy writing industry or it's not a serious hobby. Like, Unlike movies like Citizen Kane or whatever the fuck gets carried on, I really think the next generation or two will completely forget Monty Python ever existed. Um, but that's okay. Comedy think, is like that, and it's it stays good. Do you think, because here's the question really, when in two years, this movie will be 50 years old. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, I would argue that they will forget it a little bit, but no more than the last generation in this generation has. You know, like... 
we still remember it. Yeah, I guess we're getting old and we live most of that. I time, forgot about it like, till we rewatched it though. Like I haven't thought about it in a long time. <laughs> oh, for real. Yeah, yeah. I don't think people like it's not in like the popular zeitgeist, but it's definitely I think one of those things like I think airplane and this will always be kind of remembered and brought up on lists until we die mm. on the internet of mm. best comedies. Yeah, I think it's a comedy building block in the same way that like we're still talking about the Marx Brothers, you know, black and white right. stuff. Yeah. I think Monty Python is well, I think Holy Grail will will be one of those for sure. Man, yeah, Marx Brothers exactly. was the first time my th- or like not first time in my life, but oldest thing I had encountered that broke the fourth wall in a really funny way because there's a part in Duck Soup where uh, Groucho just goes, and now a strange interlude and everyone freezes and he talks directly to the camera for a while and then he goes back. And I was like, that's awesome. That's a strange interlude, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. strange interlude. I was the same with Preston Sturges because it's like old timey. Oh, you're talking about like stuff that we talk about. That's that's weird. It's like you're a real person, old cinema person. <laughs> it's like yeah, there's it's... some human things that have been true for hundreds of years. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like I've always doing... been a, a Harpo Marx girl. And there's that one where he, mm-hmm. he has to do the password to get into a club, but he never talks. So the password is swordfish and he just pulls out an enormous fish and sticks a sword into its mouth. And like, <laughs> you could do that mm-hmm. today. It's great. Totally. <laughs> or the uh, Laurel and Hardy bit where Laurel is constantly uh, snapping his fingers and there's a fire on his thumb, like a lighter, and he uses it to light people's cigarettes and cigars. And every time throughout the whole movie, Hardy snaps his fingers and it's like, how do you do that? And then in the final shot of the movie, he does it and his thumb's on fire and he's happy. And then he slowly goes, ah, ah, and the movie ends. It's like shit that holds up. Like, I feel like Farside is like that. You could read a Farside in 100 years. And if you read 20, one of them would make you laugh out loud and still be relevant. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. exactly. Lydia, you mentioned, uh, I mean, I knew you were a comedy buff, but like almost focusing mainly on comedy with your viewing. Uh, just curious, totally unrelated. Like when I say favorite comedies, what floats to the, I never say your number one cause mm. p- then people pause and think about it. Just some favorite comedies. <laughs> uh, I love like clueless. I love drop dead gorgeous. Great. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of the, yeah. I was really lucky that in the nineties, there was like a, a tiny surge of like comedies led by women for the first time. So like a lot mm-hmm. of the like sugar and spice and that stuff that like did not hold up very well, but it's classic for me. Like, especially drop dead gorgeous. That's one of my favorites of all time. Mm. Were you uh Josie and the Pussycats? Oh God. Yes. Yeah. To this day, yeah. I still listen to the soundtrack from that movie and I'm like, hell this yeah. Is so that cool. movie rips. Yeah I, yeah. I showed that to my husband and he was like, how is this still so good today? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's like a perfect movie that no one really cared about at the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's, it's and that is special because, man, the bulk of movies are so of their time that they become almost like if I feel like 80 percent of movies you pick that are 50 years old, you're like, uh, I'm glad everyone did this, but this is meaningless now. Like, yeah. it's nothing either because we built on it to such a degree that it feels primitive or the message is no longer relevant to our lives. Um, but just jokes works. Yeah. Yeah. If they're incredible. Um uh, speaking of Brittany Murphy, a uh, huge 
fan of her performance, of course, in King of the Hill. And I did write down Mike Judge while I was watching this, mainly because one of my favorite things mm-hmm. King of the Hill does frequently is just have a character blandly state the premise of the episode, the hook of the episode, and it becomes funny in and of itself. Like Peggy does it the most often, like, look, you both want to dance with a dog, but you're upset with each other. So <laughs> Hank, you go to the garage and you dance with your dog there. Bobby, you dance with our dog in the living room. Everyone's happy. Everyone gets to dance with a dog. <laughs> and uh, I realize how much Monty Python does that too. It's good to have someone go like, uh, "We're, uh, you're writing, you're pretending you're writing. Like they're doing it. And I think as soon as you accept the coconut thing, which is pretty quick, you're like, that's funny. They're going to do that the whole movie. The very first line of someone they meet is, yeah, but you're just pretending to ride horses, but you're just (laughs) banging coconuts together. Like, what's up with that? Such a good tactic. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's uh, they're smart. They're Mm -hmm. really, really smart. Yeah, very well handled. Mm -hmm. Speaking of really, really smart. Does anyone have any final thoughts before we wrap up? It sounded like Abe was about to. Well, I was just going to say it's weird to me also. We have not mentioned bring out your dead. You know, like Jesus Christ. I I noticed for the first time that there's a recurring bit that starts there where a woman is just beating a cat to death in the background. Yeah. Yes. In various ways. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Against a rug. Just because Uh, it's funny. And another audio clip. (laughs) And just another thing where perfect comedic timing is all you can rely on because the words don't mean anything unless you know Latin. P-A-S-U domine dona ace requiem. Pause. Slam. And then, and it's like perfectly... Yeah, I just want to bring back to like Gilliam's directing craft is also on display. It's perfectly framed so that you don't see the thing that's going to hit them in the face because it's a pullout shot until the exact moment that it. The point is, all these people know how a joke works down to a fine detail level. And it's so it's just so nice to see lightning strike like that. Yeah, I never thought of directing as funny until I was really looking at this. And yeah, he's like directing it funny. Yeah, if the shot was different, it would be funny, but not as funny. For yeah, sure. exactly. Exactly. He knows when it turns into a joke, when the pun- what the punchline is, and when to cut to that, like really well. Uh, okay, so as we're want to do, we'd love people to uh, more people, new people, um, to become fans of Lydia's work. So, Lydia, where can folks find what you're working on most recently? Uh, you can always find me on one nine hundred hotdog dot com. I have a column there every Monday. And uh, I'm also working on a comedy horror short story for uh, Eric Gumney's short story collection called uh, Open All Night. And they're running a Kickstarter for that right now. Oh, incredible. Yeah. Open All Night. Okay, Mm -hmm. great. Yeah, go check that out on Kickstarter. That's awesome. I'm into that kind of thing. So I will be checking it out immediately after this. That's a frame rate. Thanks for listening. Um, Now you're prepared for 50 years from now when they release a podcast about Lydia's articles and how well they've held Mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Indeed. Mm -hmm. And I need to do the obligatory patreon.com slash small beans. Come hither to us and get all of your contents. And if you're listening to this, uh, we got more, uh, I'll show you mine if you show me yours, bonus episodes. We got uh, Star Trek The Next Futurama uh, episode coming up, and we have a director piece theater 
uh, with yours truly and Adam Ganser coming up. And those are the next kind of three things you'll see after this episode uh, releases. So make sure and look out for those. And, uh, yeah, I guess that can be it, right? I'm trying to think quickly of a quote that ends stuff. Oh, yeah. And the peasants rejoiced.